highest of heights to the depths of the sea. But he says, let's go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer what? The sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. Giving thanks to him. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. In today's study, Pastor Rob explores how Mary's action of washing Jesus' feet with expensive oil was a true worship to Jesus Christ. Worship is an action of both sacrifice and thanksgiving to our Lord Jesus for his reproach and suffering for our sin. Our worship should not be just something we do when we're in a comfortable atmosphere. It should be done as a sacrifice of praise, no matter where we are or what we're doing. Our worship should be continuous as we praise our God for his goodness and mercies. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he takes us through this journey of worshiping our God. Here as well, Mary and Martha, it makes no mention of her parents, their parents at all. Their parents probably have died, and now Lazarus is the breadwinner in the family. He's the one supporting his two sisters. And you can imagine how thankful this lady is to know that her brother's been raised. And she takes that ointment and anoints him. Very costly. Notice that Mary's worship was not convenient. It wasn't chintzy. Rather, it was costly. It was extravagant. This spikenard that, is, that she poured over him is a, an East Indian plant which yields a juice or a, 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 a juice which the ancients used, and sometimes they mixed it with other things, but it was a, a very precious, precious ointment. And can I tell you this morning that at the heart of worship, at the heart of worship, True worship of God is sacrifice. At the heart of true worship is sacrifice. If my worship becomes rote, if it becomes convenient, it may not be worship at all. It may be worship, but it also may not. The quality of my worship may be beggarly and poor. And God will, can receive you know, anything, but you know what? The, the heart of worship is sacrifice. Never forget that, folks. And I had to ask myself this week, what is the quality of my worship? And I'm not just talking about my singing to God. The quality of my worship, what, what have I sacrificed to God? He doesn't require me to, to, to die in, in, in the physical sense. He wants us to live. He wants to be us a living sacrifice. But what is my worship really like? Is there anything that I sacrifice to God any longer? 
Or has my worship become so convenient? It's just writing a check, and it's very convenient. It's, in fact, I'll write my check after all my bills are paid. I write that, and then, I, um, after, and then whatever I haven't spent on myself, I give to the Lord. But, or, or is my worship, and it's not all about money either. God doesn't care about our money, but it is a good indicator of where our heart, heart is at. And what about our life, the, the things that we do with our life? Are we giving our life... Is our life devoted to him? We'll do anything for him? Or is our life just about getting a job and getting married and having kids and then, and then after our kids move out of the house, we move down to Florida and play golf? Is that what our life is about? Or is there a sacrifice? What is the quality of my worship? And remember that worship is about Jesus it's for Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's to Jesus. And we can certainly be blessed in our worship of Jesus Christ, but remember, it is about Him. It is not about us. It's not about me feeling good about worship. It's not that at all. I've seen the three young women who lead worship here at the church go through some very difficult physical spiritual, emotional duress, and they still get up on this platform every week and they lead us in worship. That's an amazing thing. And I know that all too well myself, because there are times when I, never, when I don't feel like worshiping, and I worship him regardless of how I'm feeling. See, we, we live in a, a culture that is all about feelings. I don't fe- if I don't feel it, then I'm not going to do it. And God says, well, would you do it if you didn't feel it? Because that's where worship begins, is when you do it because of the one who is worthy to receive. We do it not because of how we feel, folks. We have to get away from this idea that worship is, if if I don't feel good, then I didn't worship. No, sometimes you may not feel good at all. And God says, that's the best worship I've ever seen out of your life. When you were at the very pit, and instead of just cashing in your chips and saying, I'm done. No, you worship me because you, were, you weren't feeling that great, because your circumstances were horrible, and yet you worship me. God looks upon that and says, that's sweet worship. That's like a sweet fragrance coming before me because it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. In Hebrews, it tells this. The author says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also noticed that this, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. He suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp. Notice this, America. Let us. Go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What? Bearing his reproach? Me? An American Christian? <laughs> no, it's gravy train. It has nothing to do with it. I'm not going to suffer the reproach of Christ. Are you serious? I'm an American. But he says... Let's go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer what? The sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. Giving thanks to him. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. But worshiping when I feel like it the least is the best. It doesn't mean that your other worship when you're feeling good doesn't matter. It does. 
But if I'm always seeking to feel good and only call that true worship when I'm feeling good, I've totally misunderstood what worship is about because it has nothing to do with you and I. We're just the ones offering it back to him for what he has already done. In fact, he is the one who instigates it. He's the one who uh, initiates it. And then the Spirit of God in us worships him for what he's already done. We are not in debt to him. Or excuse me, we are, we're indebted to him, but he doesn't owe us anything. Rather, for the rest of our lives, it ought to be about glorifying and serving him. In Jeremiah chapter 33, God uh, spoke to Israel before their Babylonian captivity concerning their future blessings after their captivity, also looking forward even into the millennial kingdom. It says, thus says the Lord, verse 10, again, there shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate without man and without beasts in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beasts, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. These are the things that will be heard. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of the people who say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever, and of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as it is as at the first, says the Lord. You remember the captivity of Judah in Jerusalem? That when they returned from their 70-year captivity, many of the old people who were old enough and, and survived that captivity. You got 70 years, remember that. So those who had returned were, were old or they were young because they were born in Babylon. But the ones who were old enough to remember Solomon's temple, they wept over the temple that had been rebuilt because it wasn't nearly as glorious as Solomon's temple. And those who were born in Babylon came back and they'd never seen Solomon's temple because it had been destroyed. And now they see this new temple and they're like blown away. And it tells us in Ezra chapter 3, it says, when they began to build this temple after the Babylonian captivity, that the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, and the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising, notice, and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Isn't God good? I love the fact that he's so good. And anyone who has anything to say of the contrary is missing, misunderstanding even the dark things, the difficult things that you've experienced in your life. God will work those to the good to those who love him. He's going to work it to the good. And perhaps he's going to do it so that you can comfort others with the comfort that you were comforted of God. Because how can you minister to somebody else and say, oh, brother, God's going to be there unless you've been there yourself. And when you have been there yourself, you can say, I know that God is going to get you through it because I've been through it myself. And God is faithful. He's faithful. So even in the dark days, the difficulties, the the things that just tear our hearts out, even those things give glory to him and thanks and say, God, I don't understand it, but I thank you for the, the crucible you put me in because I've been drawn closer to you and now I can minister to others with authority where before it was just, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. God bless. Be warmed and filled. <laughs> No, you can say, hey, let's go have some coffee. Let's get into a room together and cry and pray together. Talk about this. I want to share with you what God has done, how he's, how he's filled my cup and how he's going to fill your cup. It doesn't feel like it right now. It feels like everything's coming to an end. 
It feels like you're hanging on to the thread and you're just dangling and you're just like, oh God, if you don't do something, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Everything is done. My marriage, my finances, everything. I'm going to lose my house. And you're hanging there by the thread. And you can say to somebody, you know what? That's probably exactly where God wants you to be. Cry out to him. Ask him to come to your aid. And he does. But you don't know what you got until it's gone, right? Think of our country. You know, even 20 years ago, I was completely oblivious to all the things that, are, that were happening in the world. And now as I'm older and as I'm seeing the things change so rapidly, it makes me thankful the more. All the more as I, as I consider the things that are happening. But the greatest worship is worship that costs us. And I'm not just talking about finances. It could, it could cost you time. It could cost you, it could be an investment of your life in doing something. It could be doing something for somebody else. And in that way, you serve the Lord as well. But true worship is that which we are willing to give. Why? Because of the love, the gratitude, the indebtedness that we have towards the one to whom it is being offered to. There's a, a wonderful painting by a gentleman by the name of Francesco de Zerberin. I'm probably butchering his name. It's in the Prado Museum. I've actually seen this photo myself live in, the, in, that, in that museum many years ago. But this photo reminds me exactly what worship is. An innocent lamb, a lamb of the first year without blemish, tied and bound to the altar, ready to be sacrificed. It was a sacrifice. It was worship. And when we think of the the greatest act of worship, it was Jesus on the cross. Yes, God in the flesh who did no wrong, who had no sin in him, willingly taking the price, willingly allowing himself to be bound to that cross, and then crucified, a most horrible death, the worst kind of death there is. He was willing to do that for you and I. The greatest worship service took place on a cross at Calvary. It was selfless. It had nothing to do with feeling good. And that doesn't mean that we can't feel good when we worship, because we can. But I think in America, we, we always think about feeling good and that I didn't really worship unless the band was really hot. And I say that because there are some who have left this church for that reason. There are some that leave other churches for that reason. Well, the music, you know, the, the lights weren't happening. Um, I didn't see the smoke roll off the platform. I didn't see the cameras, you know, and the guys in the black suits, you know, zooming in on the guitar solo, you know. I mean, all of these things happen in churches. And if I don't get that, if I don't get, if I don't get that, I'm out of here. <laughs> and that, that's, that's happening more than you think. And people don't know what worship is. I'm learning what worship is. I'm learning. I've learned a lot, but I'm learning. But American Christians, for the most part, we have no idea what worship really is. They think of a big band and the music's pumping and man, my emotions are grooving. And there's nothing wrong with that. They look at that and they're like, where's the exit? But that's the reality of American Christianity, for the most part. Not everywhere, of course, but for the most part. You remember in Genesis chapter 22, it says, It came to pass after these things that God tested. 
tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, and he says, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac. By the way, his only son Isaac was the one that God made the promises to, that through his seed, all the world would be blessed. In fact, through him, the Messiah would be born through Isaac's seed, not not, um, Ishmael, no, but through Isaac. Through Isaac, my promises, God says, are going to be fulfilled in that man, through his lineage. And now God tells Abraham, now take your only son and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I will tell you, the Temple Mount that we know today. That's where it was. So Abraham rose quickly in the morning and he saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to to his young man, notice this, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship (laughs) and we will come back to you there was something about Abraham's understanding of this event something interesting Hebrews tells us what it is Hebrews chapter 11 beginning in verse 17 in the great hall of faith what does it say by faith Abraham when he was tested he offered up Isaac And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. The Lord God gave Abraham a taste of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember, Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh, in the mount of the Lord. It shall be seen. What shall be seen? Well, the actual working out of the very thing that Isaac and and Abraham went through as Abraham raised that knife to plunge into his son's chest. God says, stop, Abraham. There's a lamb. There's a ram over there. Go take him. And Abraham realized then there's something significant about what's happening here. And that's why he called the place Jehovah-Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. On this very same spot, nearly 2,000, or actually quite a few, thousand, a few thousand years later, God the Father would take his own son. Except it wouldn't be, there would be no angel stopping him as they drove those spikes through his wrists. No, that was purposeful. That was first degree murder. Premeditated murder by God the Father. For a reason that you and I could be saved. And so Abraham knew that this was a worship service. There was something about this very different. And see, how and who we worship is important. And you know, God will even hold the Old Testament priests that are dead and gone. He will hold them accountable for their faithfulness or lack thereof and reward them accordingly. Even in the millennium when the Old Testament saints are resurrected, we talked about this the last couple weeks, God will reward the line of Zadok, the priests of, of Levi, in allowing them to serve him in the holy place, in the new temple in Jerusalem, in the millennial reign. And, but the other priests who are unfaithful, they will have a very limited service. Let me read to you what it says in Ezekiel chapter 44. This is really interesting. It says, And the Levites, and this is God speaking while Ezekiel's writing this in Babylon in captivity, and he's telling them what's going to happen in the future. And he says this, And the Levites, God says, who went far from me, in fact, it was 
Part of the reason why they were led into captivity because of their idolatry. The priest should have stood up and done something and said, we're going to hold the line and not allow us to continue any further. But the people said, no, no, we want to worship Baal and we want to do these other things. And they're like, oh, okay. And so they do it and God says, holding you accountable for that, brothers. He loves them. And evidently they're going to be saved. But they made some really huge errors. Notice what it says. Yeah, he says, And the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols, they shall bear their iniquity, yet they shall be ministers, notice, by God's grace, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them, Notice the pronouns here. Yes, it's okay for pronouns in this context. (laughs) They will stand before the people, before them, to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity. Therefore, I have raised my hand in an oath against them, says the Lord God, that they shall bear their iniquity. They shall not come near to me to minister to me as priest nor come near any of my holy things, nor into the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for all its work and for all that it has has to be done in it. But notice in verse 15, let me read it to you. But, but the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat of the blood, the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. Yes, even in the millennial temple, there will be sacrifices in memorial, not because they're needed to be made, because Jesus suffered once and for all for the sin of man, but they will continue to have offerings in memorial of those things that we would never that they would never forget that we would never forget but they shall enter my sanctuary god says and they shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge do you see the difference so there who it is and what how we worship and who we worship is a big deal because there were some who led israel astray they weren't on they weren't faithful to the lord and God in his grace is still going to allow them to serve, but they're not going to be able to, they're going to serve the people. But those who stayed true to God are going to serve him. And that may not be a big deal to you right now, but trust me, when we're in heaven, when the church is raptured and we're in glory, we're going to have a whole different understanding and perspective of this. And we will have wished, oh, I wished I would have stopped playing games. I wish I would have given the Lord my, my whole life. And whatever you do, you don't, you don't have to go into the ministry like, like say I'm in the ministry or whatever like that. Wherever God has called you, be faithful in that place and give to him. Give to him. And it, you, you can give in many ways. You can give of your time. You can give of uh, uh, you know, whatever you desire. I'm not here trying to shake you like some people. Try to grab the church and hold them upside down and shake them. No, the... There's so much more things that are worth than money, okay? Our lives are more important than money. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.